and welcome to the Voorhees IP VIP podcast. My name is Jeremy Harrison, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, we're speaking with Valerie Moore, who is a patent agent in the Houston office of Voorhees, Sater, Seymour, and Pease, and a member of the Intellectual Property and Technology Group. Valerie will be discussing international patent rights and how to obtain patent protection in foreign jurisdictions. Valerie will also provide some helpful tips and strategies that can result in patent applicants saving time and money when seeking foreign protection. And now here's my conversation with Valerie. Today, we're speaking with Valerie Moore, who is a registered patent agent at the Houston office of Voorhees, Sater, Seymour, and Pease, and a member of the Technology and Intellectual Property Group. Valerie earned her bachelor's degree in chemistry with a minor in mathematics from Centenary College of Louisiana. She also earned a master's and PhD in chemistry from Rice University. Before becoming a patent agent, Valerie worked in research and administration at Rice University, institutions in the Texas Medical Center and contractors for NASA's Johnson Space Center. Valerie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about international patent rights, and we're going to discuss some tips, some advice that you may have for us on pursuing patent protection in foreign countries outside of the U.S., of course. So with that, let's, let's get right into it. All right, so here's a scenario. You've got a company or an inventor that wants to protect an invention throughout the world. Is there such a thing as a worldwide patent? Actually, no. Patent protection is based on the laws of a specific governing jurisdiction. Typically, governing jurisdictions when you're talking about patents is a specific country, like the U.S., Australia, China, the Bahamas, etc. However, there are a few countries that have come together and formed regional offices that make patent protection in multiple countries in the same region a little bit more streamlined. Okay. So if there is no worldwide patent, how exactly do I protect my intellectual property rights throughout the world The short answer is you file a patent application in each jurisdiction where you want to protect your intellectual property. Depending on the jurisdiction and other factors, the filing fees for each jurisdiction may range from several hundred dollars to over a thousand dollars, especially if translation fees are involved. And that's just for filing. That doesn't include the future cost for communicating with the individual patent offices in each jurisdiction during examination, and then the grant fees in each jurisdiction, and then the maintenance fees in each jurisdiction. Right. So it sounds like it can get pretty expensive pretty fast. Yes. So are are those filing fees all due at the same time, or can an inventor or a company delay some of those fees? So the short answer is yes. You can delay patenting costs, filing decisions, depending on how you decide to pursue your filing strategy. Of course, you can just go gangbusters and file in each of your jurisdictions immediately. Cool. But if you want to delay and you want to take some additional time and considerations, there is an international patent application. So while I said earlier there's no worldwide patent, there is an international patent application. And basically what this does is you file a patent application under the Patent Cooperation Treaty, often referred to as a PCT application. That PCT application acts as a placeholder for over 150 jurisdictions. And by that, it basically sits there and you've basically put on notice these countries that I may want to pursue a patent in that. And so this acts as a placeholder and it sits there. The cost for filing a PCT application depends on a few factors. Depends on if you're a small company, a single inventor, large company, where you want to get some searching done, exactly how you execute the filing. But it can be about two to $4,000. Once you've got this PCT application on file, you typically have 30 to 31 months from your priority date 
to decide which of the 150 countries you want to say, yes, I want to pursue a patent in that country. That's when those filing fees I talked about earlier would come due. So let's just say hypothetically an inventor knows they want to file in one or two jurisdictions, foreign jurisdictions. Would you suggest filing a PCT and waiting it out or just going directly to those countries? No, I'd, I'd recommend if you 100% know, hey, I only want to do US and Australia, and you know that for sure, file. Go to those countries directly. If you know that you want to do the US, China, Japan, go to those countries directly. Where the PCT has kind of that advantage is if you don't know, or if you're like, well, you know, I'm not, I know that I'm going to want to go there, but there's also these other countries like, do I want to be in South Korea? Do I want to potentially be in India? And I'm not quite sure yet. This PCT application allows you to have that application basically in place in each of those countries that you know you're going to do, but also still have that placeholder for the countries that are maybes that maybe you want to look and see, well, I have a competitor that I've been eyeing and they've talked about doing manufacturing facilities in India. So I may want to have a patent there, but I want to see them actually follow through with creating that manufacturing facility. So I I want to delay just a little bit. Right. So kind of kicking the can down the road, seeing how things progress um, 30 months down or 31 months in, you, you can find out where exactly you are financially or within the market and make that decision at that point. Right. Yeah. So I typically, I mean, what I would advise clients, I would, I would say rule of thumb, two or three countries. If you know you're going to file in those countries, two or three, you might want to consider just going directly. You might be able to save some time and some costs. But if you're going to go over three, a PCT is a really good option. You can save a little bit of money and you get that extra time period there to, to look at the market. So we, we talked about some of these advantages here, other than delaying some of the cost in these decisions. Are there any other advantages to filing a PCT application? Yes. Along with the PCT application, you know, as I mentioned, it's about two to $4,000. The reason for some of that expense is that you're paying for a search. And so you have to select a searching jurisdiction, for example, the US, Europe, South Korea, there's several others. Those are the three that my clients typically pick the most one of those three, but you're paying for an examination. And You get that examination report and it gives you an idea and it acts very similar to like if you're used to U.S., it's similar to a first office action. And it gives you an idea of this is what the examiner considers prior art. This is the way they understand your invention. And they may even indicate that you have patentable claims. They may not. Does that examination have any binding effect? No. No. Once you decide which jurisdictions you go into, the examiner picks up. Your patent application reads it under, in theory, understands it, then picks up the examination report, looks at it, and usually does their own search. Most often does their own search. And sometimes they come up with new references. Sometimes they don't. Um, I've, I've had it go all sorts of different directions. And so it's not binding, but it does give you an indication. So let's say that you get an examination report that you've got a few claims that this examiner that looked at it considers them patentable, you're like, hmm, well, you know, Japan was on my maybe list, but if I could get this claim in Japan, I think that would be of, of value. You may get one where the prior art, you're like, whoa, I did not know that was out there. I'm going to have to potentially limit my claim and I'm going to limit beyond what my product may be. I may have to create some limitations that are a little bit more narrow than what I'm going to practice in other jurisdictions. And so it can help you kind of 
those maybe jurisdictions kind of help you decide yay or nay. Yeah. And also you could probably see if something's directly on point, well, <laughs> stop then, the process right here and save your money. Stop the process, save your money. Yeah. So you mentioned you have the choice to choose where this is going to be examined. You file your PCT, you have to choose an international search authority. Do you have a preferred international search authority you like to use? I prefer Europe. I think they give a very strong search and and analysis, and so do most other countries. And I have found that if my European search report says that I've got patentable subject matter, I have found it significantly easier, and, and that's typically the patents or, or the claims that go forward and get patented very quickly. Additionally, most of the time I'm going into Europe anyway, and that search fee that I paid, it discounts my fees when I do the official designation into Europe. So it's yeah. not like you're paying the fee twice. And, yeah, right. you know, because Europe is one of the more expensive ones to pay the fee. So yes, it is. <laughs> it is. But I also feel that it gives one of the strongest reports. And if you've got something patentable there, I feel like it's a lot stronger than some of the other jurisdictions. Right. And I think that's key. There are other venues you can go to. A lot of people like to file in Korea. They have the Korean search authority. Take mm-hmm. a look at it. But a lot of jurisdictions won't follow it. The U.S. won't follow a Korean search a lot of times. The European patent office won't follow a Korean search. You know, it, it makes sense to pay a little bit more money for a European search. That's really good advice there. That's great. Yeah. So you, you'd mentioned that the, the PCT application could cover several countries, but uh, over 150, in fact. So what countries aren't covered by a PCT application? Well, there's so, well clearly several countries aren't covered, but let me take a step back. Countries that are covered. So for those listening to the podcast, I'm going to direct you to the World Intellectual Property Organization or WIPO website. They have a list and actually they have a very nice one page PDF that has a map and a list of the countries that are currently covered by the PCT. And that's updated periodically throughout the year as more countries sign on to this treaty. So you really do want to look at the time you're doing the filing to see where it is, because it matters when you filed as to which countries were covered by the PCT, not what countries are participating when you make your decision. So it's all about when you filed. So when you filed, look at that country list and that'll give you an idea of there. Common countries that I have clients file in that are not PCT countries and have not signed on to the PCT, and I don't know that I've really got indication that they are looking to sign on to the PCT, are Taiwan, Argentina, and Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. There, there, are, there are a handful of other smaller countries, and the way I see it, a lot of countries that don't play well with the rest of the world are, are on that list also. But yeah, you're right, Taiwan, Argentina, Uruguay are, are three of the, the larger jurisdictions that would be on that list. So if you're going to file a PCT, make sure you get all the countries you need. you got to make sure you, you look at those lists of countries that aren't on there. So if you do want to protect in those countries, so how do you do that and when do you do that? So taking another quick step back, I mentioned earlier priority filing. Basically what a priority filing is, is that that first application you file. So your specification, your claims, et cetera, that first filing is considered your priority application. From that date kind of starts the clock on everything else. That priority application can be a PCT application. It can be an application in Uruguay. It can be an application in the US. It can be a provisional application, whatever that first filing is. So that's, you know, hey, my clock has started. I have one year. You have one year to file in any other jurisdiction you care about. So basically, 
if you file a PCT application, it acts as an application in all of those over 150 jurisdictions. So basically, you're, hey, I've covered for decisions later down that path. You also have that one-year time limit for filing in the non-PCT countries. So Taiwan, Argentina, Uruguay, et cetera. So you missed that 12-month deadline. You're out of luck, right? Out of luck. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. So let's switch gears. How do you decide which countries to file a patent application? And what's your advice to a company or an inventor looking to go foreign? Where should they go? Well, that's, wow, that's that's a big can of worms. So there's a lot of things that you should consider. The, the things that people most often consider are first, where do I want to practice my invention? And by practice, I mean make, use, or sell. Where do I want to practice my invention? And that's typically what most people think about. If people are thinking beyond that, they're thinking, what are my competitors? Where are they practicing inventions like this? Where would you know I want to protect against competitors? However, you need to take into account other considerations. You know, why are you patenting? Do you want to block other companies? Do you want to create potential licensing avenues? Do you want to create new partners? Do you get a preference in a government contract? There are some jurisdictions that if you have a patent on the product or similar product or method, you can get preference in government contracting. Also, you can get beneficial tax rates. And so those are some of the areas that you want to look at. Also, of course, you know, growth where the sector that you're working in, where the growth is going to be there. Also, you want to look at the longevity of the invention. You know, is this invention a core base invention that will be built off by you and other people? And having this core really provides you an advantage. Or is this a simple improvement and that improvement I'm probably only going to use in two countries. You know, if you're doing manufacturing and, oh, I'm going to do this improvement, but I'm only going to, I've got manufacturing facilities in 10 countries, but I'm really only going to use it in two, then you probably just want to do the two. You want to, but you want to consider the longevity. Is it core? Is it a basic improvement? Is it something that's going to last a long time? So those are the types of things you want to consider. And how you work all of that in can be very difficult, you know, keeping up with everything that's going on. So one thing that we've done here at Boris and our IP group is we created a tool to help inventors and companies take these take all of this into consideration. And what we've done is we've developed this tool. It's called Patently Integrated, and it's based on a proprietary algorithm where Basically, we talk to the, in, the inventors, the client, um, whomever it is, and talk through some of these considerations. We have a one-page uh, questionnaire that you fill out. We then perform some competitive intelligence. You tell us who the competitor are. We go and look at kind of what they're doing, what their activities are. We also have a database in the background that has some jurisdictional realities. And those jurisdictional realities are kind of like, you know, what's the rule of law in the country? You know, how corrupt is the court system? So if it's a country that you're like, I want to litigate, you know, I'm going to take them to task. But that country, the litigation system right now is I can buy off the judge. It kind of takes some of those things to into account that you may not know or you may not keep up with regularly. So you may be working on kind of older information. Oh, I heard this guy five years ago talk about this. Well, it's changed a little bit since then. And so we keep this up to date, this jurisdictional realities to kind of work the latest knowledge of 
what it's like patenting and how well you can protect your patent once you have it and enforce your patent once you have it and how strong licensing agreements are and things like that, this database. And we take all of this, put it into our algorithm and pop out a ranking of the countries that are under consideration. And it ranks the countries based on how well the countries kind of align with your business strategies, taking into account the jurisdictional realities. And that's kind of the quick and easy um, explanation of patently integrated. Uh, that sounds pretty fascinating. I mean, it sounds like uh, it's a good planning tool. A lot of people are trying to save money. And honestly, they just don't know where to go. You know, I've had clients, I've had inventors that say, well, I want to file it everywhere. Well, let's take these into consideration here, run it through this program called patently integrated. And it gives you the score and it says, well, from what you have told me and what your desire and what your business objectives are, it looks like you should file in these three or four countries instead of 75 countries, these three or four are probably your core countries. And so that sounds pretty useful for planning purposes for budgeting. So last question then, how, how can one take advantage of patently integrated then? How can you um, integrate that into your, your patent portfolio? Well, we currently offer a variety of patently integrated analyses to our clients. And you mentioned kind of the analysis at the time that you decide where you want to file, but also, you know, annuity payments. There's a variety of other places that this can work in if you're trying to cull a portfolio. But we provide a variety of analyses if you want to get some idea of value of the different patents. We offer that to our clients here at Voris. There's also a company called Activate, that's A-C-T-I-V, the number eight, IP. So Activate IP, and they've licensed the technology and you can find them online and they provide a variety of these analyses and they've got a really good little setup there where you can do competitive intelligence and a variety of different reports and see that. Awesome. Well, Valeria, I think we've come to the end of our time. I appreciate the time uh, that you've spent talking about international patent rights. You've given us some really good uh, tips and insights on where to file and how to file and some of the considerations to take into account. Um, I hope to talk to you soon again on, on this podcast. Thanks. This has been an episode of the Vori's IP VIP podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to speak to either myself or any of the guests, please feel free to reach out to us. You can contact us through Vori's website or via the Vori's Intellectual Property Updates webpage on LinkedIn. If you have a suggestion for a podcast topic or would like to recommend a particular guest, we'd love to hear from you. My name is Jeremy Harrison, and I hope you can join us next time. Bye.